Hello, and welcome to the Podcast on Germany's special Halloween episode. Today, we are talking about werewolves. Inspired by my costume this year, which you can go and check out on our Twitter and Facebook pages, I have decided to dress up as a Junker werewolf. And I wanted to do some research on German werewolf folklore and see what we have. And there is quite a bit. So, in honor of all that, I decided to make an episode discussing werewolves in German folklore and how it permeated society from its conflicts with the nobility to sexism and to a very, very interesting serial killer case. So first, let's go ahead and talk about what is a werewolf. A werewolf is someone who can change forms, going from a man to a wolf, or to other creatures in German folklore, but usually into a wolf, devouring things in front of it. Now, the Americanized version, or the Hollywood version, however you want to say it, they focus on a couple of things. First, it's usually a kind-hearted person who gets bitten by a werewolf, and becomes a werewolf themselves. Second, they have no real control over the creature, unless it's a certain loved one, at which point they'll start trying to fight the creature and regain control. Uh, Three, they die to a silver bullet, and only a silver bullet. Uh, Four, they usually have some sort of mark on them that can easily be found uh, in their human form. And five, they only change during the full moon. Those are what usually happens with a werewolf in Hollywood. However, that is not how it is in German folklore. Now, there are a couple different things with German folklore and werewolves, but some of the shared traits of a werewolf is that they're not bitten, but they actually have a belt. This belt is usually made of wolf skin. However, there are a couple of accounts where it's made out of the flesh of a human who was just hung for a crime, usually murder, or of another creature. A fox is also apparently a pretty common creature that these people turn into. And so you have this belt made out of either human or animal skin that you can put on at any time, and you will transform into said creature, usually a wolf. Uh, The fox one does turn you actually into a little fox. You don't usually go after people in most of these stories they are going after animals and they're attacking livestock or actually just wild animals they're just like hey we're hungry chomp grab something and go they aren't passed by bites they aren't passed generationally however a lot of the stories are basically a kid stumbles upon belt Puts it on and his father realizes, oh, this was a mistake. I should never have kept that belt. And he gets rid of it. Usually a story of basically coming back from something that you've was a vice in your younger life and realizing that you can't do it anymore because you have children and they follow in your footsteps. Now, just like the Hollywood version, silver is a very common ingredient in the execution of said wolf. However, it is not the only way of getting rid of said wolf wolf but relying on a silver bullets is very common Uh, another way of doing it is apparently taking some lead or iron basically some metal and throwing it over the wolf Uh, that apparently forces the wolf to change back into human form honestly i wouldn't trust that if i was being attacked by a werewolf Uh, my aim's not that great 
what if it's not the right type of metal? I mean, they say either iron or it could have been bronze or it could have been silver. I'm not trusting that one. And the final one is actually, if you just say their name a couple of times, usually three, because three is a magic number, that will transform them and force them to come back into being human. Which, you know, if you already kind of knew that they were werewolves, I figure you would have probably already taken care of them at this point. But, you know, you do you. You do you. Now, before we go on to the next part about, you know, why people are becoming werewolves, what they're focusing on, I do want to mention that many of these stories are actually coming out during the 1800s. And that's very important because all stories have a purpose. And just like any good story, there is a meaning and a message behind these werewolf stories. Now, in the 1800s, there was movements to unify Germany. There was movements to push social progress. There was movements for political change. And all of that was actually involved within many of these werewolf stories. So, the werewolves are showing the problems within the societies themselves and that people will basically have to become animals in order to survive unless society changes. That being said, it is also important to point out that in many of the older stories, there's still a common thread between them and the 1800s one, and that's just simply to point out that people, usually the poor people who turn into these werewolves, are shown to be under the mercy of very cruel people who are not providing them with their needs. And the werewolves represent the people's desperation in order to survive. And they will do anything in order to survive, even becoming this wild animal. So a lot of these werewolf stories actually are signs of social anguish, social problems, and showing the people that, you know, this is what happens if things are not met, if certain needs are not taken care of. So these werewolves aren't attacking people in most of these stories. A lot of times these werewolves are changing form and attacking game. They're attacking poultry. They're attacking chickens. They're attacking animals on the farm and devouring them whole. This allows them to get the food that they need in order to survive and stay within the bounds of law as a human. Usually they're being hunted by uh, their neighbors because they're the ones they're having to steal from in order to survive, and occasionally by the people of the village. However, in the end, these werewolves are usually doing this out of desperation. They need the food in order to survive, and this is the only way they can get it. Others are doing it because they are greedy. Some are doing it because they are rich and wealthy, and they're trying to take over uh, their neighbor's fields for their own. That does happen, but for many of them, they're doing this because this is the only way they can survive. And quite a few of the stories end on the note of someone sees them become a werewolf, gives them the old nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and lets it happen because they are not affecting them and vice versa. Now, most of Hollywood movies, not all, but most of Hollywood movies usually has a male lead as the werewolf. It's a very common trait. I'm not saying all, because there are a couple of werewolf movies out there where it's actually the woman who's the werewolf. But usually it's shown as the male. In German folklore, it's about half and half. Women are seen to be the werewolf just as many times as the male. Now, 
there is a large difference in how women are portrayed as the werewolf. Women are usually seen as sorcerers or as tricksters, curmudgeons, untrustworthies. Uh, men are either doing it out of desperation or maybe coveting something, but more often than not, they're doing it because they need to survive. Women, there's a higher chance for them in the folklore legends to be doing this out of an evil plan or just out of sorcery than rather doing it to survive. Not saying there aren't stories where they are doing it to survive, but there's a chance that they're doing it just to be evil. Uh, which goes to point out some of the glaring issues of trusting women in the folklores and how they are portrayed in these stories. Now, I'm not a gender historian expert, so I can't go into too much depth into it, but it is a common theme within these folklore stories where if a woman is becoming the werewolf, there's a good chance that A, she'll be beaten up or killed. B, she will be betrayed because uh, she's found to be untrustworthy. Or C, she will get her comeuppance for becoming such a despicable creature. Men, you have a better chance than not of everything working out decently for you if you become a werewolf. Now, before we go on to today's stories about werewolves in uh, German folklore, we do have to talk about the most famous or infamous werewolf, which is Peter Stump, also known as Peter Stube. Peter Stump, or Peter Stube, was executed October 31st, 1589, in Cologne, Germany. He was executed for many, many crimes, uh, spanning from, from assault, murder, incest, cannibalism, uh, emphasize. He, he had quite a few crimes listed against him. And it was believed that he was doing this while in wolf form. Uh, he had a belt that he would put on, change into these forms, go out and kill people. Now, apparently they eventually caught him by cutting off his hand in wolf form. So that would have been uh, his left forepaw. And then the next day they come across uh, Peter Stump, well beloved in his society having his hand missing and they believed instantly that he was the wolf that had been attacking and killing people now we don't know much about you know this whole wolf ending that is probably fictitious he was probably caught in the act of trying to murder someone and um, they were able to get him that way but during the times it was much, much easier to explain all this away with witchcraft and sorcery than believing that he was just pure evil, worshipping Satan, rather than just being an evil man. So, Peter was eventually caught. Uh, he was tried as a werewolf and executed. His execution was also uh, very, very graphic and very, very uh, uh, just uncomfortable to read about. Uh, basically, he was broken and then decapitated because they had to make sure that uh, he could not come back in his wolf form. And the town tried to forget about him. Now, the story should have disappeared uh, over time. We actually don't have any more of the original pamphlets discussing his execution and his crimes. 
However, uh, the British were able to translate the pamphlets and produce their own. And there are two copies of that that still survive to this day. And you can go and find the actual story of Peter Stump online. I will not be reading it to you today. I was originally thinking about it, but as I was reading through it, I was like, no, this is this is pretty graphic, and I don't I don't want to go into all that gory detail. I want to make this a more fun and happy episode. But Peter Stump is by far the worst of the werewolf stories, and it is sadly based on a true person. Stump was a prolific German serial killer during the heightened crises of superstition and Christianity within Germany. So it was easier to explain him away as a werewolf than as just a simple evil man. Unfortunately, he was not the only one to pay for his crimes. Uh, his daughter was also executed um, because uh, she was. they were convinced that there was no way he could have done this on his own. And it was believed that she was having a relationship with him, which um, was definitely not going to be consensual. They also executed Peter's mistress, believing that she had been the one that set him up with the deal with the devil. Again, she may have been involved, she may not have been. She could have just been caught up in the crossfire. Who knows? No one expected Peter Stump to be this killer until he was eventually caught. He was a rich landlord in the area, well-respected. Not well-beloved, but well-respected because of his uh, status and wealth. And so when it turned out to be him, it shocked everybody. So he could have been doing it solo. She could have been helping him. Who knows on that one. But the daughter definitely got the raw end of the deal. And I feel very sorry for her. Uh, That was not a fate uh, anyone should have to suffer. His story will not be among the ones that we read today. But you can go find it online. Uh, If you are underage, please go and get your parents' permissions before you do so. It is not a story for young eyes. So for our first story, we're going to do The Werewolf by uh, Asmus and Noop. Uh, This was originally published in 1898, and it gives a good basic understanding of what a werewolf was and how it was generally treated among the people. So, The Werewolf. By using a so-called wolf strap, any person could transform himself into a werewolf. Whoever fastened such a strap around himself would turn into a wolf. If someone called out the name of a person who had turned himself into a wolf, that person would regain his human form. In earlier times, there were a great many such straps, but today, along with the wolves, they seem to have been banned to Russia. A wolf strap was a gift from the devil. A person who possessed such a strap could not get rid of it, however much he wanted to. Anyone who accepted a wolf strap also had entered into brotherhood with the devil and surrendered body and soul to him. If real wolves were feared in earlier times, werewolves were feared all the more. A real wolf could be shot dead or lured into a so-called wolf pit where it would perish from hunger. However, a werewolf could not be brought down with a rifle bullet, nor would it ever fall into a wolf pit. The reader will perhaps ask, was the use of running around as a werewolf? This was not done for no good reason. When the pantries and meat containers were empty, one would only have to fasten on the wolf strap, run off as a wolf, and seek out a fat sheep that had wandered off towards the edge of the woods, creep towards it, seize it, and drag it back into the woods. 
In the evening, one could bring it home without anyone noticing. Or the werewolf would know when a peasant was going through the wolf with lots of money. He would ambush him, rob him, and then run off across the field with the booty. In earlier times, after the horses had been unhitched from a wagon or a plow, they would be driven out to a community pasture, where they would be watched until morning by two herdsmen. Even colts were put out for the night. People took turns watching after them. Now it once happened that one of the two herdsmen had a wolf strap. After both herdsmen had kept watch for several hours, they got sleepy and laid their heads down. The first one, however, who had heard that his companion possessed such a wolf strap, only pretended to be asleep, and the other one thought that he was indeed sleeping. He quickly fastened the strap around himself and ran off as a wolf. The other one got up and saw how his companion ran up to a colt, attacked it, and devoured it. After this had happened, the wolf man came back and lay down to sleep. Towards morning, they both awoke. The werewolf man was rolling around on the ground and groaning loudly. The other one asked him what was wrong. He said he had a horrible stomachache. To this, the first one said the devil himself would have a stomachache if he had eaten an entire colt at one time. The werewolf asked him to say nothing about what had happened, and he kept silent about it for a long time. But later, he did tell me about it. And now I too feel free to tell about it, because both men have been dead for a long time. The next story shows us about what happens with these belts and how basically indestructible they are. This is The Werewolf of Altmarine, also by Asmus Noop, uh, published in 1898. About 60 years ago in Altmarine, there lived a man by the name of Gust K. He too possessed a wolf strap, with which he brought about much damage and misery. Finally, the strap was taken from him, and it was to be burned. Three times the baking oven was heated up, and three times the strap was thrown into the glowing fire, but each time it jumped back out of the flames. Nor would water damage the strap. It always returned. However, the pastor from Futsal finally burned it up. When Guske died, the pastor at Altmarin could not finish the Lord's Prayer, and they had to call on the pastor from Futsal. The latter said, Away! Away with it! When they tried to lower him into the earth, the grave opening was too small, so the pallbearers had to trample him down with their feet. For a long time afterwards, there was always a hole in his grave mouth, but it will have closed up by now, for grass has been growing over the story of Gus K for a long, long time. Werewolves are also not just attached to, you know, Halloween or anything like that, uh, but they also are attached to Christmas. Uh, this next story comes from Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, the Grimm brothers, uh, published in 1816, and this is called The Werewolves Advance. In Livland, there is the following legend. When Christmas Day is over, a boy who limps with one leg goes around, calling together all those who have yielded to the evil one. And there is a large number of them, binding them to follow him. If any of those resist or hesitate, the large tall man is also there who hits at them with a whip braided from iron wire and little chains, driving them along with force. It is said that he whips at the people so cruelly that a long time later, marks and scars can still be seen on their bodies, and they are in great pain. As soon as they begin to follow him, it appears as though they lose their former shape and turn into wolves. 
Several thousands of them come together. Their leader, with the iron whip in his hand, leads the way. When they have been led into a field, they cruelly attack the cattle, ripping every animal to pieces they can catch, thus doing great damage. However, they are not able to harm humans. When they come to a body of water, their leader strikes at it with his switch or whip and divides it, allowing them to cross over with dry feet. After twelve days have passed, they abandon their werewolf form and become humans once again. The next two stories I wanted to show you about the differences between men and women when they are treated as werewolves in the stories. Uh, the first one is The Werewolf of Yarnitz by A. Haas, uh, published in 1903. The second one is going to be called The Werewolf Wife by Kuhn and Swartz, uh, published in 1848. In the vicinity of Yarnitz, there lived a werewolf who had the ability to transform himself into all kinds of different shapes. This werewolf spent the night stealing sheep from their enclosures, for in those days the sheep were kept at night in enclosures and in the open fields. For several nights in a row, the shepherd, armed with a loaded gun, had kept watch for the night robber. He had already hit the werewolf several times, as he had clearly seen, but the bullet seemed to have done him no harm, and he escaped with his booty every time. Then the shepherd loaded his gun with bullets made of inherited silver, which never failed. This time, he would be successful. Following his custom, the werewolf appeared again that night. But as he was approaching the enclosure, he immediately sensed that this time the shepherd might do him in. Therefore, he quickly turned himself into a human, walked up to the shepherd, and said to him in a familiar tone, You don't have to shoot me dead. That so unsettled the shepherd that he lowered his gun, which he had been aiming at the intruder. The werewolf never again dared to steal sheep from the Yarnitz enclosure. In Kassenberg, on the island of Eustum, a man and his wife were cutting hay in a meadow. After a while, the woman told the man that she was uneasy and could not stay there any longer, and she went away. Earlier, she had told him that if a wild animal were to come upon him, he should throw his hat towards it and run away, and then no harm would come to him. The man had promised her that he would do this. After the woman had been away for a while, a wolf swam across the swimmer and approached the harvester. The man threw his hat at it, which the beast immediately ripped into small pieces. However, one of the workers crept up to the wolf with a pitchfork and stabbed it to death from behind. Instantly, it was transformed, and they were all astounded to see that it was the farmer's wife that the worker had killed. Uh, the next story, The Werewolf by Carl Lichner, uh, published in 1854, uh, shows us one of the weirder ways of freeing someone from being a werewolf, and once more points out the issues of women being werewolves in German folklore. The Hessian farmer knows and fears the ravenous werewolf even today. This is a human whose shape has been transformed by putting on a belt. The werewolf attacks everything that gets in his way, and is especially dangerous for the herds. However, there is a way to destroy the belt's magic power. If one throws a knife, a piece of shiny steel, over the werewolf, he will instantly be transformed into his true form and stand there completely naked. In the vicinity of Wolfhagen, there was a well-to-do woman of good parentage, who almost every night would leave her house and roam the fields as a werewolf. Once a shepherd bravely approached the werewolf as it crept into an alder thicket, its appetite sated. The shepherd, who had long pursued this werewolf, hoped to capture it. 
He threw his parker knight over its head and neck, and immediately the woman was standing naked there before him. She implored him to have mercy with her and not to tell the story to anyone. The shepherd was highly surprised to see the well-known woman before him, and he promised to keep the event a secret. Nevertheless, within a few days, everyone knew about it. The final story that we will do today is called The Werewolf of Vitalube by Karl Bost. Uh, this is published in 1879, and it shows us perhaps the most hilarious way of turning someone from a werewolf into a human, and that's by saying their name three times. So keep that in mind tonight as you are out and about, that a werewolf can either be stopped by a silver bullet, throwing a piece of metal over their heads and shoulders, or just by happening to say their name three times. A rich farmer by the name of Schultz lived a long time ago in Vitelub. One day he had gone to Lups and was returning home in the evening. Upon entering a grove of fir trees, his horse refused to proceed. The farmer suddenly saw a wolf jump from the bushes and begin snapping at the horse. And the horse ran off in a gallop, not stopping until it had run out of breath. The wolf caught up and jumped at it. The farmer knew that his neighbor had a reputation of being a sorcerer. And just as the wolf was about to grab his horse by the neck, he called out, Ernst Jacob, is that you? Let me say something to you, Ernst Jacobs. Listen to me, Ernst Jacobs. And as he spoke the name the third time, his neighbor stood there before him, begging him to high heaven not to reveal him. The farmer let him go. It had been the neighbor who had taken on the form of a werewolf. And that will do it for today's short episode. I hope you enjoyed our little look into werewolf folklore in German history. It's very telling about how they view werewolves in general, and how it was actually used as a tool in the movement of social reform in the 1800s. I hope you all have a great and spooky Halloween, and I will see you for our next special episode.